Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today, I want to speak to you about developing within us the heart of the Son. And when I speak about the Son, I'm speaking about the Son of the living God who has come to live within us because we have opened our hearts to Him and invited Him, that is Jesus, to live His life in and through us. When you and I got born again, we didn't get born as adults and mature spiritual beings. The Bible says we were born as spiritual babes. So we're going to talk about developing the heart of the Son of God who lives within us. And that has to do with our spiritual growth and development. Just as in the natural the baby grows and develops, even so in the spirit we must grow and develop and become mature sons and daughters of the living God. Are you with me? Now, just as our bodies can be developed and strengthened, our spiritual man also can be developed and can be strengthened. And, you know, much is spent, much time and much money is spent on the development of our human body. Am I right? Millions are spent in the development of the physical body. We feed it regularly. We dress it beautifully. We exercise it. Amen? But, unfortunately, not, not, not much time and attention is given to the development of our spiritual man. And that has come at a great cost. At a great cost individually and a great cost to the church as a whole. You know, when you are weak physically, you become a target for all diseases that are floating around because your immune system is down, your defense is down, and you become vulnerable to these diseases that are spreading around. How many of you know that? When you don't take care of your body, when you don't eat healthy, when you don't exercise, when you don't sleep well, your immune system, when you overwork and overload your body, your immune system is down. And that's when sickness and disease attack your body. The same works in the spirit. When we neglect our spiritual development, that is our spirit man, we do not take time to nurture, to feed, and to give him those spiritual sustenance that he needs in order to be strengthened, then we become a target of all satanic attacks. And we don't have any strength to resist. The church today... And many and large, many by and large, a believer is weak spiritually and undernourished. 
speaking spiritually. And as a result of that, we, we find ourselves unable many times to cope with the stress, with the cares of this life, the challenges that we face, because there is a weakness within our spirits. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is very small. In other words, if you do not have enough spiritual resistance against adversity, and every time you are pushed by the enemy, either by circumstances, by temptation, by tests and trials, you fall because there's no spiritual strength or resistance within you to overcome it. The Bible also says that the strong spirit of a man will sustain him in times of pain and sickness. But who can bear a broken spirit? It's sad if, if God would open our eyes in order to see the spiritual state and condition of the church, we would weep for days. Spiritually malnourished, underdeveloped, Believers who have been in the Lord for years and years and still they have not grown because they have not applied the truth of God's Word in their lives. Now John Bevere said something that I like to read to you that is very, very profound. This is what he says. Spiritual growth is a function of time and intellectual growth is a function of learning. But spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning, but rather a function of obedience. I want to repeat that. I want us to get it. He says physical growth is a function of time and intellectual growth is a function of learning. But spiritual growth is neither a function of time or learning, but rather a function of obedience. When we heed the Word of God spoken by the Holy Spirit, in times of conflict and suffering, we mature. Knowledge of Scripture alone is not the key to this growth. Obedience is. Knowing this, we can understand one reason why there are people in the church who have been Christians for 20 years, can quote verses and chapters of the Bible, have heard a thousand sermons, and have read many books, but still wear spiritual diapers. Paul writes of such individuals, they are always learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Every time these people meet with difficult situations, rather than responding by the Spirit of God, they seek to protect themselves in their own way. They never come to the knowledge of the truth because they do not apply it. But truth must be allowed to have its way in our lives if we are going to grow and mature. It is not enough to give mental assent to it without acting on it. This is so profound. 
This is why there is a lack of growth and spiritual development in the church as a whole. And I believe this is the cause of many spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical illness within the church. Because of a lack of spiritual growth and development. And the reason being is, though we hear many messages and many sermons, though we know the scripture, we apply very little of what we know. It's not how much you know that will make the difference in your spiritual growth and development. It's how much you apply of what you know. And I see it almost every day within the circle of believers. Every time they come up with a challenge or a difficulty, they would rather run than obey the word of the Lord. They would rather run from suffering, run from sacrifice, than lay down their lives and obey what the word of God tells them to do. And they come up with all sorts of excuses why we do not obey. Hello? Amen? Now, he goes on to ask these questions. Is there a gap between your knowledge and your actions? Interesting question. Is there a gap between your knowledge and your actions? Ask the Holy Spirit to both reveal his truth and to strengthen you by his grace to carry it out. As we become, he says, mature in Christ, we will rise to a level of life that reflects his kingdom and his ways for his glory. Let me say this, for the mature believer, there is much more of God than we have ever experienced. God wants to show you and lead you into experiences that are beyond your wildest imaginations. If you will obey him. That's the key. It is the gateway into greater spiritual development and into greater spiritual revelations. God knows the plans that he has for you. He knows the thoughts that he has for you. He knows your future. In fact, the Bible says that he has written a book about every single human being that he gave birth on this earth. He has a book about you. And in the book are all your days numbered. And the plan of God for your life is far more adventurous, far more fulfilling than you ever imagined, or your own plans. And he desires to reveal that to you. But he cannot unless you grow up spiritually and become mature. Because the Bible says that a carnal Christian, a baby Christian, cannot understand the things of the Spirit. Only the one who has developed spiritually. Paul many times said to the believers, I have so much to share with you, but you cannot bear them now. You cannot hear them because you're still babes. You can only receive milk and I don't want to give you meat for the fear that I might choke you. So there are things that God wants to show you about your life. 
You're not just another human being. You are a unique individual created in the likeness and in the image of God and there is not another like you. No one. God has wired you perfectly. He has gifted you uniquely. And there are things that God wants to do through you and through your life that will bless not just you and your family, but will bless humanity. Amen. And the important, only mature believers come into the niche, come into their own, where they experience who they really are, what God has called them to do, and how God has called them to do it. And that is all wrapped up in one word, the development of your human spirit, becoming a mature son of the living God. And that's what we're talking about, the development of the heart of the son within us. That is the most important thing in your life, your relationship with the Lord. The other day I was in the presence of the Lord and he started speaking to me about real important things. He said, son, in the light of eternity, it doesn't really matter which house you live in and how big your house is. It doesn't really matter which car you drive. It doesn't really matter what position you hold and what influence you have. Those things are not that important in the light of eternity and in the realm of the Spirit. What really matters, he said, is your relationship with me and the state of your heart. That is what concerns me the most. And then he asked me this question, do you know me intimately? Do you really know who I am? Do you know me in my goodness, in all my glory, in, in how kind and merciful I am? Do you know my character? Many people say, I know God, but their lives do not reflect that. Their lives reflect something different than the knowledge of God. There is no evidence of love in their lives. There is no evidence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And then he asked me this question, do you love me? Do you love me passionately? Enough to obey me even at the death of your own self-will? Now these are real hard questions. These carry weight. And what God is concerned about you today is not so much your natural habitat is not so much which house you live in, what car you drive, what job you have, how much money you earn, or how much money you have in a bank or don't have. What really God is concerned about today is the state of your heart and the state of your relationship with Him. Are you fervently in love with the Lord? Do you really know Him intimately so that you can communicate that knowledge to those around you, not just with preaching, but with your very life. That is what's important to the Lord. And He wants us to take stock of our relationship and ask these questions. You know, I spoke to you last time about preparation in my last two messages, preparing our wineskins. And that's what's really important with the Lord. Where are you in your relationship with the Lord? Is He the center of your life? Is He your Alpha and your Omega? 
your beginning and your end? Is he your refuge, your everything? Or is he just someone that you know on a Sunday morning when you come together or Sunday afternoon or wherever? Do you acknowledge him during your day? How close are you to him? Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Have you ever heard his voice? Have you ever tasted his goodness and his kindness? This is what we're talking about, folks. And these are real serious questions. And, you know, I had to search my heart. You know, in the book of Revelation, the Bible talks about a particular church that was filled with good works. He said, I know your works. I know your patience. They had discernment and the works were much more than the, the last works than the first works. But he says, I have this against you. You have left your first love. You don't love me like you used to love me. You're not passionate about me like you were once when you've come to know me. And I'm calling you back to that passionate love. If you ask me, what's your ambition? What's your drive? What's your dream, Andrea? I only have one. And that is to know God intimately and to love him passionately. Nothing else matters. All of these other things we're going to leave here. We're not going to take anything else with us. No matter how wealthy we are, no matter how, what we have, the, the Bible says, what will it gain a man if he gains the whole world and lose his own soul? And so we spend so much time around these material things, around these physical things, caring about things that are not really that important in the light of eternity. We devote all of our focus and all of our attention on this earthly life. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What shall we buy? What shall we sell? And hardly we have any time left to devote to the development of our relationship with the Lord and to our spiritual development. And we need to shift our focus and prioritize our time. And that's what God is asking us to do and telling us to do. He said, seek ye first, not second, not third, first, before you do anything else. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things. What other things? The things that we need to live on this physical earth. The things which the world strives for, steals, cheats, kills and destroys in order to grab those things. God says, I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to bless you with them. In fact, he promised the nation of Israel back in the old covenant. He said, I'm going to give you houses you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards you did not plant. I'm going to give you wells you did not hewn. I'm going to give you olive trees and vineyards which you did not plant. I'm going to give them to you because I love you if you will obey my voice and keep my commandments. I have experienced this to be true in my own life. That when I seek the Lord fervently and his will for my life, and I make that the pursuit of my life, then I see all these things have just been added to me. I didn't strive for them. I didn't go look for them. I didn't sweat for them. God gave them to me. 
because if our heart is in the right place, we will attract those things like the magnet. God does not want you to pursue the blessing. He wants the blessing to pursue you when you seek his face. When you make him the Lord of your life, not just in name. Yes, I'm a Christian. Are you really a Christian? Do you know what it really means to be a Christian? Jesus said, if anyone will come after me, let him first deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Listen to what Jesus said. He said here, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in it by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which least leads to life, and there are few who find it. Let me say this. We are living today in the days of massive deception in the church. Believers are being deceived left, right, and center because they do not know the Lord. They do not know the Word of God. They are ignorant. They have no discernment. They believe everything that they hear. Jesus said, beware, be careful of anyone who preaches and teaches that this life of the believer is easy and its path is broad. It's not broad, it's narrow. The way it's difficult. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Amen? Jesus said the gate is narrow and the way is difficult. And then he talks about false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they ravenous wolves. You will know them by the fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by the fruits you shall, you shall know them. He's talking about false prophets. There is another gospel that is being preached today, unfortunately, and many are being deceived by it. And in this another gospel, there's no self-denial, there's no suffering. It's just blessing and the love of God, and they overemphasize the grace of God. There is no hell and all that junk. We need to grow up spiritually, and we need to develop discernment in our lives. And if you ask me, Andrea, what does the Lord seek or require of me today? You're sitting here, you're listening to his messenger minister the word of God to you. I would say this, the state of your heart, where are you? The Bible says when he created Adam and Eve and gave them this beautiful garden to live, to work, to uh, cultivated after they had sinned God came looking for him and he said Adam Adam where are you now it wasn't a question of location God knew where he was don't you think he knew where he was it was a question of position where are you Adam where are you going That's what the Spirit of God would ask each and every one. Where are you? 
Where are you going? Are you just marking time or are you fulfilling purpose and destiny? He said, where are you? God is looking for you. God is looking for you. He's been looking for you and some of us who have grown cold and indifferent and some of us have backslidden. You know, I don't know your heart. I don't know the state of your heart. I'm just questioning. As I'm questioning, my, where are you? That's the answer. That's, that's a question that only you can answer. Where are you? Are you with me? Are you running with me? Are you walking with me? Do you know me? Do you love me? Remember what he asked Peter? Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. And he asked him three times. He said, feed my sheep. If you love God, you're going to love people. And if you love God, you're going to express that love by ministering to others and loving them, being kind, being hospitable, generous. There is always fruit. Amen? And so, here we are today. I'm not here by accident. I'm not here by chance. You are not sitting here by, by accident or some chance. You're here because God wants to minister to you. Are you obedient to his word? Do you, are you obeying what you know from what you've learned? I know Peter has taught you many things. But what I want to ask you is, are you practicing the things that he has taught you? Amen? Only you can answer that. Those of us who are listening, how's the state of your heart? You know, that, that's, that's the one thing that we need to be concerned about. And if the answer is, Lord, I have grown cold, be honest with God. You know, he loves honesty. He loves transparency. That's the only way we can build intimacy and fellowship and relationship with the Lord. He knows where you are, but he wants you to acknowledge where you are. And say, Lord, I have, I have grown cold. I have grown indifferent. I have allowed my heart to be troubled, to be stressed. I have, I have allowed the cares of, his, of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things to crowd my heart and my heart has grown cold. And here I am. Here I am asking for your forgiveness, asking for your mercy, asking for your grace, humbling myself before you. When we come with that kind of attitude before the Lord, He's gracious. He is compassionate. The Bible says he gives more grace to the humble, but the proud he resists. Amen? And it's not time to harden our hearts and become proud and arrogant. It's time to soften our hearts and to humble ourselves before God, even with fasting and prayer and say, Lord, only you can fix me. I cannot fix my heart. You're the one who can touch my heart and melt it but you need to give him the time to do it. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We're not waiting for God, folks. God is waiting on us. He's been waiting for, for some of us for a very long time. And you know, he loves us. He puts up with our weakness, with our failures, with our shortcomings. He never gives up on us, ever. 
He's never disappointed with us. No matter how low we fall, no matter how many times we fail, no matter how many mistakes we made, He will never grow weary or disappointed or tired of pursuing you. Because He loves you with such passionate love. There's a beautiful song that says, There is no shadow that He won't light up. There is no wall that He won't kick in order to come after me. Because He loves me so much. And He will put up with us. And He will bear long with us. And He will be patient with us. Keep calling us back to His heart. Back to the love of God. Back to the heart of God. Where we can find rest and refuge and a place of belonging. And all we have to do is to be honest. He said, draw near to me. How do you draw near to God? Exactly what I've just described to you. By humbling ourselves. By acknowledging, yes, we have allowed the coldness, the cold air of this evil present world to penetrate our hearts. And we have become indifferent to the things of the Spirit. You know, when you lose your appetite for spiritual things, you've got to stop. And check something is wrong these are signs and evidences of a spiritual illness when a person loses his physical appetite he has no desire to eat he becomes anorexic and all of that you put the food in front of him and he said yeah you know there's something is wrong physically am I right when you lose the desire for spiritual things when you lose the desire for for, for the Word of God, for studying it, for meditating it, for, for chewing it, for reading it. When you lose the desire for prayer and for fellowship with God, when you lose the desire of coming together as brothers and sisters to fellowship with each other and encourage each other, then something is wrong spiritually. There's a spiritual disease and we have to get rid of it. And He alone is the healer of our hearts. He alone. What's your spiritual appetite like? How often do you appreciate or spend time studying and meditating the Word of God? I personally believe, and I speak generally as a church, as a whole, we have not given the honor, the respect, the, the due diligence to the Word of God as we ought to. And we have suffered as a result of it. Jesus said man cannot live by bread alone. We've tried to live by physical bread only. But he said by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I remember when I got born again, I was hungry for God and His Word. Hungry. I, I recall we were sitting in the evening in, in, Fort, in Fort Victoria at that time and, and my wife, there were certain programs on TV that she would like to watch and I would sit with a book and I wouldn't even bother what's on TV and just read that spiritual book, read the Word of God, study it. But as time went by, you lose that fervor, you lose that passion and we must at all costs regain it. You get up in the morning, and just like you're hungry for bread, you, you're hungry for the Word, you go to the Bible first before you go to the fridge. Or you go to your prayer closet before you go to the fridge. 
and you make a decision and you say, Lord, I'm not going to leave my house without spending time with you. I don't care how late I am. Get up early. Put your clock half an hour earlier. Now, if you love someone, wouldn't you like to spend time with him? Mm -hmm. Amen. If we love God, wouldn't we, wouldn't we love to spend time with him and fellowship with him? Of course we do. But as we come in honesty and transparency, I mean, James has some beautiful instructions for us. They are rather heavy, but, but I want to tell you, these words are so precious. Listen to what James says here. But God gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, many are trying to resist the devil without submitting to God first. You can't. The first thing is submit ourselves to God, to his word, be obedient to his word, and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then he goes on to say, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That's his promise. And then he goes on to say, cleanse your hands, you sinners. What does the hand speak of? Anyone? Deeds. <coughs> Works. Actions. He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Remember, he's addressing this letter to believers not to unbelievers. And then he goes on to say, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Now these are clear instructions for believers who have allowed their hearts to grow cold and indifferent toward the things of God and the kingdom of God. And the only way back to the heart of the Father, the Bible says, is through repentance. I know this word repentance in some circles is a dirty word. Yet I believe there has never been a time before such as this, that repentance needs to be proclaimed in the power of the Spirit today in all of our churches. Hearts need to be broken before God, not because they are in pain or because they're suffering, because the heart of God is broken over the hardness of the hearts of his people and their unwillingness to repent. And that is the truth of the gospel. Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. Help me feel what you feel. Help me see what you see. Help me hear what you hear. You know, we could be around people that are crying out because they're desperate and we cannot hear their cries because we are so engrossed in our own selves and in what we are doing. And yet we are the only means of reaching those people. Do you know that? Christ has no feet but your feet, no hands but your hands, no eyes but your eyes, no hands but your hands. Who's going to touch them? You are. 
They're all around us. They're hurting, broken lives, so much pain around us. And we are supposed to be Christ's hands extended to the weary, to the lonely, to the sick. Amen? So let us get back to where we should be. Without delay. It only takes a decision, folks. The Word of God says in Job 22, 28, you will decide on a thing and it will be established unto thee and light will shine on your ways. If you decide, God will give you the power to do and accomplish that which you decide. Amen? Check your heart today. Where am I missing it, Lord? And make a decision. I will turn. I will walk in your way, Lord. I will obey your word, whatever the cost and whatever the price. Shall we pray? Let's allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us as we pray. Let's examine our hearts today. Let's do what the psalmist said. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me, O Lord, in the way everlasting. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word. And the time, Lord, we are spending in the presence of your word, hearing it. Thank you for Holy Spirit conviction, Lord. And thank you for speaking truth to us. Your word says that as many as you love, you rebuke and you chasten because you love us. Yes, you accept us as we are, but you will not leave us as we are. And we pray that you will not withdraw your hand of discipline from our lives. We pray, Father, that by your Spirit you would empower us and enable us to be honest, to be sincere, to be truthful with you, be transparent with you and with one another. We ask that you may do a work in our hearts, in our minds, and you bring us to a place of true and genuine repentance where there are fruits, where there are um, uh, precious, precious fruit that is birthed out of genuine and true repentance. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus, and we thank you for your mercy that is extended to us. We thank you that you do not condemn us, but you love us and you continue to call us back to your heart. Thank you that in your heart we find refuge and in your love we find a place of belonging. Father, I pray for this house. I pray for this family, this spiritual family that is here before me today that you would make this house and this family a spiritual habitation of many, that many will be drawn, many will be attracted to the fellowship of this house, to the fellowship of this church. Many would come to know the truth and be born again. Many would be baptized in water and in the Spirit, and many lives would be transformed and healed of a broken heart. Many would find belonging, those who are lonely, those who are disengaged, those who are disenfranchised. They will find a place of refuge 
and a place of belonging in this house and in this spiritual family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.